This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. for college football playoff is getting tight as a three-game sprint to the end of the season begins this week. Welcome back to Prospects 101, the show where we break down football prospects from all levels, high school prospects, college transfers, college recruiting, NFL prospects, and the NFL draft. And Prospects 101 would not be able to have this podcast and this show without our great partners, Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. So big thank you to them. Remember, you can always interact with us on social media every Saturday and throughout the week at Prospects 101 Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we are here to preview week 14 as we're getting tight and we have a full crew today. Pastel and Kenny are back. What's up, fellas? You guys excited for week 14? Yeah, man. We get closer and closer to the college football playoffs. This is where this is where everything starts to tighten up and get interesting. I'm, I love this time of year. Yeah, I'm ready to rock, Gloss. I mean, you, you mentioned it, uh, race. Race is probably a key word and probably a good theme for the show right now. I mean, it's a race to the finish line. It's a race for Ohio State to get six games and go play for the Big Ten Championship. Yeah. It's a race to beat this or to get the coronavirus by, uh, vaccine. You know, there's so many races, I feel like, going on right now to get this college football season over and uh, declare a champion. And really, with these these rankings that got released again for the second week in a row, shows what that race is going to look like here at the end. Yeah, I was about to say, that's a great segue, Pastel, and some of the top news of the week. First thing we'll cover today, get your thoughts. So it looks like the, I believe the top seven remain unchanged. Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State as the top four. None of that changed. Texas A&M, Florida also did not change at five and six. And I believe Cincinnati was number seven last week. I believe they were. So that yeah. is also unchanged yes. as well. Georgia moved up to eight, and then we've got Iowa State Iowa at State nine, and then Miami eight. at ten. So kind of initial initial thoughts there. Anything that surprised you guys? And then, you know, we had some movement uh, a little bit from BYU. It looks like some Pac-12 teams got in there as well. Well, I'll, I'll let Kenny touch on UNC, but the biggest surprise to me so far was Iowa State. 
jumping up from 13 to number nine. Iowa State, a two-loss Iowa State team, is now a top-10 team in the nation. It kind of makes you wonder if the, the committee is trying to get a Big 12 champion in there. It just makes you wonder because they're, they're lingering there right now. The, the other biggest thing was I wanted to see if Texas A&M was going to fall behind Florida just purely based off the performance against LSU and how bad they were. Obviously, the committee is saying, hey, if you beat your component that you're competing with for that fifth spot, then we're going to favor the team that won that game. That's what it looks like right now because they're still above Florida. Other than that, it's pretty much been scratched other than a few other games like UNC. And, Kenny, if you want to touch on that. I, I just have an issue with – well, for one, I have an issue with BYU being outside the top top ten. Like, okay, I get it. You want to make the argument Georgia should be eighth over BYU? Fine. Like, they're in the SEC. Even though I disagree, I, I think you want to argue strength of schedule. Let's talk about Georgia's biggest win against an awful Auburn team. That's their best win. Um, but that's fine. But, like, to put Iowa State, Miami, Oklahoma, and Indiana over BYU is a crime. Like, that's a joke. Uh, that's embarrassing. But Oklahoma State moves up, like, eight spots, I believe. They went from 20, like, first to 15th after beating a horrendous Texas Tech team by six, yet they somehow jump, they somehow jump Coastal Carolina, they somehow jump Iowa, they somehow jump USC. I I don't get that. Uh, And then North Carolina loses and everybody's like, well, they played, they played Notre Dame close. They played Notre Dame close for three quarters, then lost it in the fourth quarter to lose 31-17. Like, that's cool. They were competitive. So they they get to they get rewarded by losing a game and moving up one spot. Like I I don't get that. It doesn't compute with me. Yet Coastal still sits behind North Carolina and Coastal sits still sits behind Wisconsin, who hasn't who's beaten an awful Minnesota and Michigan team. But they and barely played the games. They haven't played the games. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't get. It. I, I just don't understand it. Like I get there's an eye test to this, but at some point. You have to play the games. The games have to matter. If not, then why do we play them? Just pick the four teams at the beginning of the season. Yep. Let's just do the playoff. Yeah, I think that's what's interesting when you look at this, too. I, one that screams out to me is Miami at 10, right? Their only loss against Clemson. Uh, but they sit there behind Georgia and Iowa State, and those are two lost teams, yet uh, Miami is sitting there sandwiched between Oklahoma and and Iowa State there at nine. I, I don't really understand Georgia at eight very much either. Georgia's what, – what is their best win? Did we calculate that with Auburn. South Carolina? It's, it's Auburn. It's Auburn. Auburn's their Auburn's best win. their best win. And then in their two losses, they've been blown out. I don't know, man. I don't like Georgia at eight there. I would have liked to seen Iowa State actually jump all the way to eight and then probably move them behind Miami. I think that's probably their right spot. I'm with you. I think BYU at 9-0 and and just haven't been – they're just getting no respect here. So I almost – and we'll get into this. I almost kind of want Coastal to play BYU this week just so that they can get another big win under their belt. Um, I don't get the North Carolina one at all. Three win or three losses and they're seventeen. That doesn't really make much sense to me. And then Pastel, I agree with you a hundred percent. If you looked at the eye test and you looked at Texas A and M and how they played against LSU last week, I don't know how in the world you can leave them at five. I get they beat Florida, but man, did they look ugly against LSU. And I, I just don't know if you want to go down that road of having Texas A and M there right at five. I just. I think that would be a huge loss for football, for college football fans if Texas A&M somehow snuck their way in there with a very mediocre offense. And to be honest with you, they haven't 
in my opinion, I don't think they've really beat anybody very – well, I guess they beat Florida. That's pretty good. But um, besides that, I just yeah. don't think they've played very well. But that's what I mean, though. It's like, what is the committee saying? Is it, okay, so Texas A&M beat Florida. Okay, that's what your criteria is? Awesome. Texas A&M, you got similar schedule or record. You get above them. But then you look at Oklahoma State, and they beat Iowa State. They have the same record, and yet Iowa State is six spots ahead of Oklahoma State. So it's like, what are we weighing here? Is it an eye test? Is it like records, but you beat the better teams, yeah. so you should be ranked higher? Because right now I'm so confused with the committee is saying right now. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, 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 they're speaking out of both sides of their mouth. And I know I know the, the committee chair said you know, Texas, A, Texas A&M, by the way, almost was ranked fourth. Like, they – barely were fifth apparently it was like a hair it was a hair decision to rank them fifth instead of behind Ohio State instead of at four above Ohio State so it sounds to me like five and six aren't particularly close at the moment it sounds like the biggest the biggest bottleneck is four and five to the committee right now yeah that and that's going to be interesting but guys to be honest with you this is what happens when you get subjective opinions in the room say what you want about the bcs and how much they got it wrong at least they used mostly data to make their decisions um now we're just going off of you know a lot of subjectivity and really no strong framework on how to rank these teams and that's fine if that's what we want to accept then that's okay and and but i think that's kind of what makes college football fun but unfortunately it's just the the system that we have but with the playoff it now obviously takes care of themselves when they all play against each other. And generally the generally the committee's got it right. I mean, generally the, the top three teams are the best teams in the country, and then the fourth team ends up getting boat raced by who the number one is. So <laughs> and it, yeah. it generally has been the trend over uh, since kind of the start of the playoff. There are a couple of exceptions, of course. But, guys, let's get into the playoff pass here. Pastel, I want you to kick it off here because we had a really interesting conversation offline yesterday while the playoff rankings were coming out and I thought you had some interesting theories of what could happen but why don't we talk about kind of the playoff paths for uh, Clemson, Ohio State, A&M, Cincy, Miami and really anyone who we could see really moving up into that top four. I'm going to leave Bama out of it because I think Bama and Notre Dame in my opinion are probably locks at this point. I mean it would have to be catastrophic right, losing two games in a row for them to not be considered in there. So let's take Alabama and Notre Dame out of it, and let's just talk about playoff pass for everyone else. Okay, and, yeah, please cut me off if you guys want to discuss one thing or the other. But like you said, even if Bama and Clemson lose in their conference championship game, as long as they don't lose by 40, if they lose, they're still probably in the playoffs. So those guys are in. Clemson, they have to beat Virginia Tech, and they have to beat – Notre Dame in the conference championship. They have to go 2-0 the next two weeks, and they're in the playoffs. That's plain and simple. They lose, they're done. If they win both games, they're in. Ohio State, this is the interesting one, probably more of a debate on how many wins you have to have. Obviously, if they win out, they're in. That They have to play two more games. They have to play this week, and they have to play versus Michigan next week, which would then give them six wins and a chance to play in the Big Ten championship. They win those three games, they're in. If they lose one of those games, I don't think Ohio State gets in with a 6-1 and one record or – yeah, that's what it would be, a 7-1 record, because they've already had a cancel- cancelization. Now, the path for A&M, if Clemson lose to Notre Dame or Florida lose to Bama, if one of those two scenarios happen, which is probably a likely scenario, then I believe A&M gets in, assuming they beat Auburn this week, which is a huge game, by the way. You mean – you said you said you said Bama you said Bama beats Florida and Clemson and- loses to 
Notre Dame. Notre Dame. So that yeah, would give both teams one two of the, oh, Okay, okay, yeah. They yeah. Would, okay, sorry. They would jump in for Clemson. Sorry, yeah. I wasn't tracking that for a second. But it only has to be one of those teams. So if Bama beats Florida, then Florida's out, A&M's in. If, but if they, uh, yeah, so, and then uh, Notre Dame beats Clemson, then obviously A&M's in. But yeah. A&M has to first beat Auburn first. Now the path for Cincinnati, that path begins this week. A&M has to lose to Auburn. Because then that jumps, that, that takes Cincinnati from 7th to 6th. And then they're in the same situation what I just said for AM. They're in the same exact boat. If Notre Dame beats Clemson or Alabama beats uh, Florida, then Cincinnati jumps into that, that spot. So that's a very good chance. I think uh, ESPN had a 33% chance that they make the playoffs. And that really depends on this week if AM loses to Auburn. Now, obviously, uh, Cincinnati has to beat Tulane or Tulsa twice. This week, and then obviously in the AAC championship, so they have to win out, and hopefully uh, A&M loses as well. And then the kicker for all of this, the one team nobody's talking about, because it's very unlikely, but if they win out, Miami, if they win this week, and then they play Notre Dame in the championship, because that would mean Virginia Tech beat Clemson, which is, again, very unlikely, but if Virginia Tech beats Clemson, that means Miami goes and plays Notre Dame in the ACC championship. If Miami somehow pulls an upset, and beats Notre Dame, Miami's in the playoffs at, what, 9-1 and one record, and you're beating Notre Dame and winning an ACC championship. That's kind of some of the playoff scenarios that I see that are all have a, percent, like a, a better than 5% chance of actually happening. Yeah. happening. Um, I don't know about you guys, if there's any other teams out there, if you want to comment on any of that. No, I, I, I think you hit it pretty much on the head. I think Cincinnati needs a lot of help. They need Clemson to – Clemson needs to go down in the, in the conference championship game and actually not – if if – Virginia Tech were to beat Clemson, that would be bad for Cincinnati because then that puts Miami in the driver's seat to potentially jump them if they win the ACC championship. So, like, like I, if I'm Cincinnati, I'm rooting for Clemson to win this week and then lose to Notre Dame in the in the conference championship. I'm rooting for Bama to beat Florida. I'm rooting for and then Texas A&M to lose to either Auburn or Tennessee next week. Like. That's 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 the path for Cincinnati right there. That's it. That's the that's the only way. If none of that happens, they don't. If, even if one of those things doesn't happen, they don't get in. So that that's their path. That's what I'm rooting on. I'm rooting for a little chaos. Yeah, uh, me as well. Obviously, the big wild card here is Ohio State and what the Big Ten's going to do, right? If if Ohio State gets a game canceled this week and uh, or or next week, right? That makes them quote unquote ineligible for that conference championship game which would be unfortunate. And I, I, I tell you what, it's also unfortunate that Indiana lost Michael Penix because they're sitting there at 12, and they gave Ohio State a run for their money. And if they ended up going and representing representing that division and winning the Big Ten championship, who would have said that at 8-1 and one, that, they, that, that they couldn't also be talked about? Because um, I believe Indiana's in the East, correct? Penn State, Ohio State. I think they're in the, the Big Ten East. So, yeah, it, it just interesting. If Ohio State is not allowed to play and Indiana moves all the way up, I would say that hey, they they, they would have a decent chance if Michael Penix was still playing. I think the committee sees obviously Penix not in there, and I don't think that they get a serious shake. But Indiana's set up for a pretty good end of the year if they can kind of get the offense together and uh, and be a little productive because that defense has been very very good for them. Um, Iowa State, I don't see a lot here. I mean, I think it would have to be pretty catastrophic. A&M would have to lose 
put him at at six and two. Florida would have to get boat raced uh, in the the championship. Cincinnati would have to lose twice, and then I I think you could then maybe make a case that Iowa State, if they won out and beat Oklahoma again, that they could be in there. So I, a lot can still happen, guys. I think that's ultimately what we get, and we have a couple upsets along the way. This top four could and and a couple upsets, and Ohio State doesn't doesn't play the necessary amount of games, man, it, it's going to be fun that last week because going to be some teams that potentially have never been in the college football playoff, which personally I'm rooting for. I think Texas A&M in the college football playoff is bad for football, bad for college football fans. One, I just, I just don't think they're a very good team. Two, they didn't even win their division. Nonetheless, their conference, right? So, and I don't know. For me, it would just – it would just turn me off, and then they would go in and get boat raced probably by Alabama again. But ultimately, kind of what we were talking off before, I don't know if anybody's going to beat Bama, but I guess time will tell, and, and we'll see who gets in the dance because once you get in the dance, anything can happen. So those were kind of some of the paths that we were talking about. A couple, couple more things in the news before we get to our game day radar. Coastal Carolina and the Liberty game is now in jeopardy, but the rumor is that BYU could possibly replace Liberty and play Coastal, which would be a monumental game and certainly one that I would log in and watch. I mean, I was going to watch the BYU-Liberty game anyways, but if BYU – traveled to Conway, South Carolina, play Coastal Carolina, two undefeated teams, man, I think that would be a lot of fun to, uh, fun to watch. And I know Liberty, it looks like uh, Malik Willis has already been uh, – I think it's sources are saying that he's already tested positive. And Lord knows how many other guys inside the Liberty locker room have been exposed to that. So it will be an interesting 24 hours, fellas, and what's going to kind of pan out in this Coastal Liberty game. Yeah, I, I think best case scenario for Coastal is and, and BYU is they play each other just because they're both ranked and it would be one of the stronger opponents on each each schedule. So that would work out. Obviously, this is very unofficial. We still don't know what the deal is with Liberty. We know they've had some positive tests, but Liberty, if Liberty does end up playing and they have to play without Malik Willis, uh, I feel very confident in the bet I took on Coastal Carolina. Uh, this week, which I will cover later in our bet online segment, uh, because yeah. I don't think Liberty would be able to even really compete with Coastal without Malik Willis. Really, I don't think this game does much for BYU. I really don't. Like, it's going to be a good game to watch. If they beat them, maybe they jump to nine, eight, then they just fall again in the rankings as the weeks go on. Honestly, the only thing this does would possibly be a huge upset if Coastal Carolina won and just a huge monumental win for that program. Ultimately, I don't think it does much to any of the, any of the teams in the rankings after a few weeks. Yeah, BYU needs a needs a power five team to play them, but the challenge is, is again what they ran into with Washington is they weren't able to get the protocols in place and they were they would have had to spend a lot of money to even play the Huskies. I mean the only thing that I can think of here, guys, is if 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 things are good at Michigan, um and Ohio State has to cancel that game, or maybe it's vice versa. I tell you, I tell you what, tell you about this. What if Ohio State is good and Michigan is not, and Ohio State plays BYU for the last game of the season? That would be that would so be freaking awesome. awesome. <laughs> you heard it here first, prospect. Heard it here first. Them. Let's go. <laughs> anyway, I don't that 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 may be the biggest hot take of the week. Anyways, uh, we'll, we'll get off that one. Um, and last last big news that we've gotten: Notre Dame 
had their game against Wake Forest canceled, um, and it looks like that they have claimed a spot in that ACC championship game. Ken, I, I know you're a little salty because it would have been against your Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Well, it was, it was pretty cool because it was lining up for a potential upset. Now, I'm not saying that we would have even come close in that game, but if there was ever a spot for an upset, that might have been it. You know, we were off for the last month. We've just basically been preparing for Notre Dame the last three weeks. We had ample prep time for them, ample film, all this stuff. Everything was leaning towards we were prepping. And then the ACC pulled the rug out because they wanted it to be fair for Notre Dame since I guess Clemson and Miami, for them to lock up a spot, would have only taken nine conference games. They essentially they essentially lopped off one of Notre Dame's games, so they guaranteed themselves into the, into the conference championship to make it quote-unquote fair. Um, so – I get it. I mean, it's the ACC protecting Notre Dame, protecting a shot for a playoff team. That's what they're doing. Uh, it just sucks as a Wake fan because it was like, man, this was – I had tickets to this game originally before COVID, and now I don't even, now we don't even get to play it even in general. It just sucks. I hate it. But anyway, we can, I can complain about that on a Wake Forest podcast one day, I guess. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's, hop, straight into, let's hop straight into the prospects, man. What, guys, what are, some of your, uh, what are some of your prospects on your game day radar this week? Yeah, I've I've got uh, six of them actually, but two are on the same team. I'm sorry, I've got I've got five. I'm sorry, I miscounted. Uh, first guy, Amari Rogers, slot receiver for Clemson. They play Virginia Tech. I think what's to note here, he's been extremely productive this year for Clemson. 58 receptions, kind of been their ideal slot receiver. Great ball skills. Looks more like a running back than he does a receiver. About 5'10", 205. I think he's going to be a matchup nightmare for Virginia Tech. So I like to see him have a huge game against the Hokies uh, and really help Clemson score uh, early and often against the Hokies there. Uh, second, I'm going with the West Virginia safety duo. Uh, they played number nine Iowa State. But I tell you what, Sean, uh, Sean Hahone and Alonzo Aday, they are ranked 10th and 12th on the top safety play from Pro Football Focus this season so far. Um, They've had outstanding seasons, and they're fantastic both against the run and the pass. So I think by inserting one of those guys into the box, I think it'll be able to put a lot of pressure uh, for Iowa State to throw the ball significantly. So Brock Purdy's going to be tested. But having two safeties and how well that they've played at West Virginia, both Hone and Aday, I'm excited to see what this defense can do against Iowa State and Brock Purdy in that offense. Uh, third guy, Cole Van Lennon, the tackle at Wisconsin. They play Indiana. Six, six at five, 312-pound uh, senior. He's played really well this year in the three games that Wisconsin has played. I like to see them have a lot of ball control against Indiana and really establish the run, and I think he's going to be a big part of that. Uh, Draft-eligible guy, obviously, being a senior. So I like to see him have a big game against maybe the biggest game remaining on Wisconsin's schedule. And then the last guy, Lawson Hall, linebacker out of Nevada. Nevada's had a fantastic season, and a lot of, a lot of their success on defense has to do with Lawson Hall. Six-foot, uh, six 235-pound senior. Uh, he was ranked the 15th best, in, best inside linebacker in all of college football by, by pro football focus. 43 tackles, 24 which are solos. He's going to be instrumental in stopping Ronnie Rivers in that uh, Fresno State offense. So really looking for him to have a massive game in the box, make Fresno State be one-dimensional. Really look forward to him having a big game and going up some draft boards. So what about you, Pastel? Who are some five guys that you see uh, this weekend yeah. that you think can have big weeks? 
Yeah, for sure. It seems like kind of a constant theme. We have a guy from uh, the Clemson-Virginia Tech game in all three of our prospects to watch, it looks like. Um, but my guy is James Mitchell, the six foot three tight end for Virginia Tech. He got off to a hot start. I believe Mel Kuyper at one point had him as his third highest-rated tight end coming up in this, this year's draft. He's, but then, so he cooled off a little bit. He got 20 catches, 357 yards, four TDs on the year. Not amazing stats, but honestly, Virginia Tech doesn't throw that ball that much. But when you look at him, you look at a guy that is obviously more of a receiver. He has amazing body control, known for the big playability. Obviously, this is going to be one of those games that the scouts are going to turn on as he plays Clemson this week. So I'm extremely excited to see what James Mitchell does. And they need a spark on offense. So hopefully he can be that spark that they want. Speaking of sparks, oh, my God. I thought I'd never talk about a UCLA player. <laughs> Demetric Felton. This dude rushed for over 200 yards last week and had 14 broken tackles. People thought he was a third down back last year, type of back when Josh Kelly was there, but he's looking like a three down back right now at UCLA. Now they play Arizona State this week, so I think that's going to be a great matchup for him. We all know Marvin Lewis is going to bring his defense, so let's see what he can do against Arizona State this week. Next guy I got is Buddy Johnson, the linebacker at AM. Right now, he just got announced as a semifinalist for the Buckets Award. He's one of the best linebackers in the SEC. He leads the team with 66 tackles, two sacks, one for fumble. Last week, he had an interception for a touchdown. He goes against Auburn. Obviously, this is going to be a huge matchup, like we talked earlier, as far as playoff implications. He, they have to win this. If they win this, their chances of making the playoff go up exponentially, and he could be the linchpin as they try to shut down Auburn's uh, offense. But speaking of Auburn, Jamian Sherwood, one of the best safeties that nobody knows about. This guy's a physically imposing guy, six foot two, two twenty, safety from Auburn. He's only allowed ninety-one yards right now in pass defense. Eight of eight, eight catches out of sixteen receptions. This guy, you thought was going to be more of an in-the-box type of safety, but he's showing his, his ability to coverage as well. So, opposite side uh, of the game, obviously Auburn, they need a big player to step up. I look for Jamian Sherwood, the safety from uh, them, to step up and hopefully get an upset against A&M so that Cincinnati can jump into the playoffs. Uh, last guy, it's kind of a – we've talked about him enough, but I just think it's kind of funny. Uh, Xavier Collins, the linebacker for Tulsa, he's playing Navy this week. If the over-under is 20 tackles, I'm going over against – over on that because I think he's going to pretty much – I think he's going to have 25 tackles versus Navy because obviously Navy's going to run the ball every single play. So just something – if, if that's a prop out there, by the way, Say 20 is the line for tackles. Take the over. Pastel, you know what they're going to do. Remember in high school, they'll just run choice. They're just going to – he's going to come to the line of scrimmage, and they're going to call <laughs> triple option left or right, and it's going to always be tag choice. And whatever side he's on, it's going to be triple option the other way. <laughs> That's such a good point, though. It's smart, though. That's a smart thing to do. He's a beast. He's probably one of the best defensive players in college football. Would do the same exact thing. Hey, man, don't block a guy you can't block. Just read him. <laughs> the greatest thing about the triple option, man. That's you don't right. have to block the best player. What about you, Kenny? Here are three guys you think are are going to have an outstanding week this week. Yeah. So to start off with, one guy I had had really I was really excited about to watch going into the season. Uh, and was one of the reasons I was so excited the Pac-12 had decided to restart football was C.J. Verdell running back at Oregon. And he just hasn't looked like the same player he looked like his freshman and sophomore year. You know, his freshman, sophomore year, he averaged over five and six yards a carry, had double-digit touchdowns, did well in the passing game. I mean, just played extremely, extremely well, over a 1,000 yards rushing. 
And I thought, you know, his junior year might be the year where he he breaks out to be one of the top running backs in the in the country, if not the top running back. And he just he's looked pretty average. He's barely he's averaging slightly over four yards a carry. He he's lost a ton of carries to to the other running back die in the backfield. Um, he just hasn't looked great. And I'm hoping against Cal, who actually has a really good defense and who's their defense at the beginning of the season was ravaged by COVID. You know, now that they're healthy, I want to see what he looks like against the legit front if he can snap out of it. And if he doesn't, I have serious concerns whether he's even draftable this year, if he needs to come back next year, or he might lose a spot altogether, which is crazy to think about, uh, uh, a returning 1,200-yard rusher losing his spot. But that's what looks like it's going to happen. So this is a big game for C.J. Verdell. This is a put-up-or-shut-up type game for him against a now healthy, healthy Cal team. My next guy, Pastel, alluded to this earlier. We've had a lot of Virginia Tech-Clemson uh, players to watch, it seems like. And, and I'm going to continue the train with Virginia Tech. Amari Barno, edge rusher uh, at a, at, for Virginia Tech. He's 6'6", 235 pounds. He's got 12.5 tackles for loss so far this season, 5.5 sacks. He's got a couple forced fumbles. He's been a constant threat in the pass rush all year. And – the best offensive line he's faced this year was Boston College, and he did pretty well. He had two and a half tackles for loss. He had a half a sack. He looked like he belonged. Well, this is the best offensive line you're going to face all year. I know we've kind of had some criticism on Clemson's offensive line, but even that's just because our expectations of Clemson offensive line are so high. They're still one of the best offensive lines in college football. They're just not performing like we thought they would and be a top five unit, but still – this is a chance for you to go up against NFL-caliber players, NFL-caliber dudes, as Gless would put it, on the offensive line. Show up this game. Trevor Lawrence, I saw a stat during the game last week that Trevor Lawrence this year versus pressure like is, has, an awful, has an awful passer rating. I think his QBR was like 30 points less when he's faced with pressure um, coming from the edge. You want to win the game? You want to shock the nation? Amar, Virginia Tech, Amari Barno is the guy who's going to lead that charge. He's got to do it, though, against this top caliber line. My next guy, Miles Jones, defensive back for Texas A&M, who's really been one of the driving forces behind. Look, I, I get it. Texas A&M wins a lot of ugly games, but they have a really, really good defense, and a lot of that's led by Miles Jones, a 6'4", 185-pound defensive back. This is a guy who needs to go into Auburn, shut down Seth Williams, one of the best receivers in college football, and show that big corners can still play the game really well. You know, this guy's got two tackles for loss. He's got a ton of pass. He's got a ton of passes defended. Um, he's got a pick. He's a he's done really well locking down opposing wide receivers. He did a good job in the Florida game mitigating a lot of their offensive talent. Now, Florida still put up points, but Florida's Florida, and they're going to put up points. Miles Jones did a good job to stop the bleeding in that game. He's got one more big test this season because I, as I, I, next week they're going to they're gonna curb stop Tennessee. Auburn's your last big challenge. As much as I don't think Auburn's a good program, Seth Williams is a legit force on offense. So stop him. Improve your odds of making the playoff. This is the game you have to win. Miles Jones is going to be key to shutting down that offense. Yo, Mari Barno, the the JUCO transfer, one of our prized uh, recruits. The dude's been a sub for us all all year, though. So you're right. If the Virginia Tech has a chance of 
even covering the spread, he's got to have a huge game. And speaking of spreads, let's let's hop right into our bet online segment. Which, the wait is finally over. Football is back. My soul cries out, hallelujah. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Which I feel a little bit better about because I actually did decent last week. It wasn't too bad. It was a good holiday week for your boy. But this is a segment where we go over all our spreads all our locks of the week. You can either fade us or bet with us, depending on how we've done throughout the year. But uh, this is our this is the segment presented by Bet Online. So I'm going to hop right into it. My first game I really like is Ohio State laying 23 and a half points at Michigan State. I'm taking OSU in the points. I don't think Michigan State is going to score very much against Ohio State. I think Ohio State runs away with this. It's going to be one of those games. I think we look back and it's like 55 to 10 or 55 to 14 kind of game. I think they cover easily. Uh, My next game is Buffalo laying 11 points at Ohio. I'm taking Buffalo in the points. You guys know I'm a big Lance Leopold fan and a huge Jarrett Patterson fan. They are hitting on all cylinders right now. In case you for, in case you were living on the moon last week, Jarrett Patterson ran for 409 yards and eight touchdowns against Kent State and is probably a top three running back in the country right now. I, I mean, I think he is a top three running back. Betting on some action, huh? I think Buffalo Betting wins that game. Betting on some action. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I love it. I think Buffalo wins that game easily and wins it big. Uh, Liberty at Coastal Carolina. Uh, Coastal Carolina is laying 10 points. I'm taking Coastal Carolina in the points because if this game does play and Malik Willis doesn't play, I think Coastal wins big. Uh, Iowa, Iowa laying 13 at Illinois. I'm taking Iowa big. Illinois stinks, coach. They're awful. Uh, they look like one of the worst teams in the FBS this year. I'm taking Iowa to win big. And then Clemson at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is getting 21 and a half points. I'm taking Virginia Tech. I don't think they're going to win. I don't think the game's necessarily even going to be that close. But it's going to be one of those games where I think Virginia Tech is always within, like, two touchdowns. They're always within 14 points, and the game's going to hover between 14 to 21 points, depending on the possession. And I think that's what it'll end up being. I think Virginia Tech will probably lose by, like, 14 or 17 points, but they will cover the 21-and-a-half-point spread. Hmm. Well, I'll get into my fatties here, man. I had a decent week last week, two and two with a push. Uh, my Penn State do theory plus two hit, which I was excited about. Uh, coastal hit. Coastal hit. I actually put a lot of money on Coastal, minus 17. I wish I would have tripled that because they dominated. I should have just gone with my gut and just bet it all on Coastal because they, they made me look good. Uh, Maryland obviously losing plus 11 because apparently they forgot how to score. Um, and then – I, I thought Auburn was going to give me a backdoor score to cover that plus 25, and uh, they end up losing by, by I think, 31. So 
Unfortunately, I didn't hit that one, and then Oklahoma and WVU, of course, didn't play, so that pushed. Uh, but as the only one with a winning record on this podcast, here are my big five fatties for the week. Uh, Missouri, uh, Missouri versus Arkansas. Arkansas are three-point dogs. I'm going to take Arkansas on the points in this one. I like how Arkansas has looked. I, I don't think Missouri's very good at either, but Arkansas has been really competitive, and they've played some good teams tough. I think that they win pretty uh, – yeah, obviously I think they cover the plus three, but I actually think they win as well. So not a bad money, uh, money line play week as well. Uh, Tennessee versus Florida. Florida minus 17. I'm taking Florida in the points here. I think Florida wins big. Tennessee stinks, Coach. And I think Florida shows the world again how lethal that offense is. And they'll score 45 to 50 points this week. Uh, Navy versus Tulsa. Tulsa at minus 12, taking Tulsa in the points here. This one's pretty easy for me. Navy's offense just hasn't – it just hasn't clicked this uh, season so far. Lost last week 10 to 7 to a Memphis team. I, I think Tulsa wins pretty handily here at minus 12. So I'm taking Tulsa in the points. LSU and Bama. Bama is 29, uh, 29 and a half point favorites here. I'm taking Bama and I'm taking Bama in the points. I think Bama wins huge again. I, they may win by five touchdowns. LSU's defense stinks, coach. Their secondary especially stinks, and they can't score on offense. So. Bad recipe when you're going up against the most dominant team in college football. Also a rivalry game. I think Alabama remembers what happened last year on their home field. I think Bama wins and wins in very convincing fashion. And then my last one, Ohio State, Michigan State, 59 and a half. If they play, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the over in this one. I think Ohio State scores a lot of points. I think Michigan State scores a decent amount of points, too. They put up 26 against a really, really good Northwestern defense last week. So I think Michigan State gets their points, too. Ohio State wins convincingly, but I actually think this one turns out to be a shootout. So those are my five fatties for the week. Paso, who you got? Well, so I struggled last week, right? So I went 0-3 with two games being canceled. 26 and 27 and 1. So I'm deciding to go against all analytics, all common sense, and I'm going to go with Glusser's do theory. It's a great I'm going to go theory, with Glusser's do theory. <laughs> and so the first game in the do theory is Texas A&M versus Auburn, Auburn plus seven. Texas A&M, you are due for a loss. So I'm taking Auburn and the points plus seven because Glusser's do theory. Uh, the, the next game, we got Memphis versus Tulane. I think Tulane is a very underrated football team. Tulane is minus 1.5 in this game. I believe Tulane covers that spread. Um, they played Cincinnati extremely tough last week, and I think they can take down Memphis as well. Oklahoma State minus, uh, minus 2.5 against TCU. I think TCU is all but giving up on the season. I think it's a shame because I think they have some, some guys over there that are very good uh, Sunday type of players. But I think Oklahoma State, they have a lot to play for at this point. So I think they cover that spread, the minus 2.5. So I've got Oklahoma State. The fourth game is Colorado versus Arizona. Colorado is laying 7.5 points. I'm taking Colorado because I still think the nation is still sleeping on Colorado. I think they have guys on both offense and defense. And I think Arizona sucks. Kenny, I know we've talked about this offline, but someone, this might be the game that gets you fired, is losing to Colorado, and I think Colorado wins, and I think they win by more than seven and a half points. My last game is Oregon State versus Utah. Oregon State obviously beat Oregon last week. They're 11 and a half point dogs versus Utah, and I don't understand what people think in Utah. Like, I get not buying into the Oregon State hype, 
but I don't understand what, why Utah is an 11.5-point favorite. It makes zero sense to me. So I'm taking Oregon State uh, and the points, 11.5, uh, to cover that spread. Pastel, I agree with you with that last one. That I, I tell you what, it, it, I'm going to rush to my bet, bet online account, and I may bet it all on Oregon State to cover that plus 11.5. I love that team. I think – and that team could easily be undefeated. They barely lost week one. They gave UW all they could handle. I Man, and, of course, they beat Oregon last week, and they do it on the ground. I, I, I don't know. I like that Oregon State team. What Jonathan Smith is doing at Oregon State is really impressive and in, in turning them into a powerhouse. Um, and and I, I, it just wouldn't surprise me. So I like that last pick of yours. I, I don't know why people aren't – buying into the Oregon State hype. I, I think it's a really good team. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them win that game pass, though. Oh, a little money line pick. I like I it. I think it might be a decent I'm, money line pick. What do you think, Kenny? I'm, I'm, I'm done betting on Pac-12 games. You should stop betting that's on all, UW. You've done that. You should have just asked me before you bet on UW last week. I'd have told you to not bet on UW. Their offense stinks. So in case no one's tracking, Kenny was like crushing it last week in betting. He was like eight to one, maybe going to that UW game, and Kenny decided to throw all his winnings on the University of Washington Huskies. Oh no! To double down, and he loses the bet and doesn't make a profit last week. <laughs> it's at the tough. At the tough. I wonder loss. why you're so salty. I, 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 well, that's okay. Well, that makes a lot more sense now. All right. Anyways, uh, wouldn't be Prospects 101 if we didn't get into some recruiting news. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Uh, really not much on the signings front. Uh, I had one guy sign with Vanderbilt. Pastel, tell us about uh, Marcus Bradley. Well, Marcus Bradley is someone we highlighted a few weeks ago that decommitted from Maryland. And he had a few uh, schools after him, I believe, even Virginia Tech, uh, Vanderbilt, obviously, I think USC at one point, or South Carolina, that is. But Marcus Bradley signs with Vanderbilt. He's a four-star defensive tackle. He was the number two recruit at one point in Maryland's class. Um, but extremely, extremely good football player. I think he's a top 150 in the nation. Um, but, so yeah, you're right, Lester. Not too many signings this week, but – we all know this is that time for the early signing period. I wouldn't expect a lot of signings this week or next, but watch out in three weeks from now. 
as or really before January 2nd, as a lot of guys like Corey Foreman, JT, can't say his last name, Tui Moa Lua um, from Washington's probably going to sign. I mean, a lot of receivers. A couple big-time receivers should sign, too. Oh, yeah, Tristan Lee. No one knows this offensive tackle from Virginia. Nobody knows where this guy's going to go. They, at one point, it was Oklahoma. At another point, it was LSU. At another point, it was another team. It was just like, where is this guy going? Uh, Terrence Lewis. I mean, shoot, I'll get straight into it. So Terrence Lewis, which is the biggest decommitment of the week, uh, decommits from Tennessee, which was their best football player. And now it's like, where is he going to go? I mean, there's some thoughts that he's going to go to Auburn. I think Florida's in there. Miami's in there. But huge loss for Tennessee. Tennessee also lost another football player, uh, four-star cornerback Darius McGee. Uh, so not a good week for Tennessee Vols. I mean, this is something that we've highlighted many months in the past about how well Pruitt's doing there in the recruit trails. Well, he's losing his top dogs, and he's lost a few not-so-top dogs prior to the season. So now I'm starting to wonder where this recruitment class is actually going to land and how people actually view that program because right now it's not Tennessee stinks. Yeah, Tennessee it's, stinks. you got to win more than three games for recruits like that to stay. That's, that's just the bottom line. Yeah. Uh, Amani Goodwin, the running back out of uh, Auburn, he decommits. He's the number five running back in the nation. So a lot of these guys right now are decommitting. They're, you know, these guys that they committed early, and they realize that early signing period is going to happen in the next few weeks from now. So they probably had schools after them week in, week out. They're going to decommit over the next week or two, and you're going to see them sign quickly thereafter. And so that did not shock me that Amari Goodwin, uh, one of the top running backs in the nation, decommit. And obviously I would not be a Virginia Tech fan if I'm not – did not give Virginia Tech a little love. Uh, two recruits from the McDonald brothers, Jordan and Jaden, out of Salem, uh, Virginia. Glessner, I think me and you went to one of their football games down there at one point. Very good program in Virginia. There was two uh, – they still am. They decommitted from ULM, and now they're both signed with Virginia Tech. Both corners, both are like six foot three and six foot four. Extremely lengthy guys. Both three-star players. So good pickup for Virginia Tech and good pickup for Virginia Tech for picking somebody up in Virginia <laughs> for once. So that – Great, great for them. But speaking of Virginia Tech, they lost their third-string quarterback, Quincy Patterson, to the transfer portal. Kind of sucks. I actually like this quarterback. I actually think he's going to do okay at another program to utilize him correctly. I know a lot of Virginia Tech fans thought he was a bust, and obviously he was, you know, being the top recruit in Chicago, four-star quarterback. We thought he'd be a lot more. But my hat goes off to him. He beat UNC for us last year in a great comeback, so – he has some pretty good memories for the limited time uh, him up in playing in Virginia, uh, Virginia Tech. Juwan Mathis, the starting quarterback for Georgia to enter the year, he's out. He transferred. And then Jaden Woodby, the redshirt sophomore, previous five-star linebacker, is now leaving Florida State University as he has now entered the transfer portal. And it's not lack of productivity. He, this guy transferred. This guy's transferring after starting 22 games in two years. So huge loss for Florida State. And something just tells me this might be a theme over the next week or two. A lot of good high-end talent is now entering the transfer portal. Yeah, it's definitely on, talent to be had. If you're, you're definitely talent to be had. If I'm Illinois, by the way, if I'm Lovey Smith, I'm giving them the phone ASAP with Quincy Patterson and saying, "Hey, why don't you come home?" You know, they're they're right there in Champaign, just outside of Chicago. Say, "Hey, why don't you come home and play for us?" You know, that would be a big get for even though they got a five-star quarterback in Brandon Peters from Michigan. So maybe maybe. Maybe that doesn't work for Illinois. I don't know. I don't think much does. But if I'm lovey, I am calling Quincy for sure. Dwan Mathis stinks, coach. I, I wonder where he'll end up. He, his arm is a freaking noodle. I mean, I he better you know go gonna, to an offense that's up. very 
conducive to his legs because I'm not sure he can he's get gonna it end up at arm. like UCLA. Well, he's gonna a, end up at like UCLA. It's a random noodle too, though, because like when he steps into it, the dude I think launches it like 65 or 70 yards. When he doesn't, it's like he underthrows a receiver by 15 yards. It's the most random, unaccurate arm I think I've ever seen in college football. For like a well, top it, it'll it'll be interesting because I know I'm on a Discord for with another podcast and. There's a bunch of Michigan State fans in there who don't overly love Dewan Mathis because he had originally committed to go to Michigan State, then decommitted and left to go to Georgia. I wonder if he goes back home and, and, and plays for Michigan State. So, yep, I agree. Well, as always, you can, you can add Prospects 101 to your college football routine on Saturdays by following us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're always posting throughout the week as well as on Saturdays. Also, make sure you subscribe to Prospects 101 on your favorite podcast platform to stay up to date with all of our episodes. Also, make sure to give us that five-star review as well. Helps us spread the word about this show. For Kenny, for Pastel, I'm blessed. Enjoy week 14.